Welcome to an Impact Ministries production, brought to you by Impact Ministries World Changers, changing the way the world sees God. Learn how you can become a world changer today by visiting www.impactministries.com. Now, here's your host, founder of Impact Ministries and developer of Heart Physics, the self-development programs that have changed thousands of lives around the world, Dr. Jim Richards. Hello, I'm Jim Richards. I want to welcome you to Impact Cyber Church, where we are changing the way the world sees God. And you say, well, why would you want to change the way the world sees God? I'll tell you why. Because the Bible says, and 45 years in ministry says, that the reason people run away from God, hate God, and blame God for all the trouble is because of all of the religious, unbiblical things that are being taught. And in the book of Isaiah, chapter 52, he says that a day is going to come when they're going to see me as I am, and then they're going to know my voice. Then they're going to know what I'm really saying. He says, then they're going to say how lovely on the mountains are them who preach the gospel of peace. Man, the gospel of peace is all about the fact there's peace between you and God. And in this series, I'm teaching you how to live in that peace and stay in that peace in a functional way. So today we're talking about how to keep a clear conscience. And I got news for you. It's way more important and valuable than you ever thought. Don't go away. Get ready. I'll be right back. You know, I've got a great free message for you this month called Seeing Yourself as God Sees You. There are few things that will transform your life as much as coming to understand and believe how God really sees and feels about you. Be sure and download this. It's a life changer. All right, today we're talking about how to keep your conscience clear. Now, you know that if you were to talk to most people and say, what I need to do to have a clear conscience, the only thing they would tell you is, well, just don't sin. And you know something? It's just way more complicated with that. And part of the problem is that we have an unbiblical concept of what sin really is. And, you know, that just throws you into a legalistic journey of trying to keep your conscience clear, trying to please God. You know, that's not what we're going to talk about. I want you to understand something. Having your conscience clear is just much, 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 much more than just the simple religious concept of dealing with sin. Having a clear conscience is far more important than just staying out of guilt, even though staying out of guilt is important, even though staying out of sin is important. But a clear conscience is what keeps you in the peace of God. See, God's peace has been given, and you can actually be doing everything right. And this is what's going to surprise you. You can be doing everything biblical and everything right and still be tormented in your life and still be filled with guilt. You know, yesterday I got in my car, or actually I was getting ready to walk in my car and phone rang. It was the wife of a really great minister that I know, and she was dealing with a family member, and she knew what to do, but the problem was she felt guilty for doing it. See, we've been so influenced by humanism. We have been so influenced by political correctness. We've been so influenced by morals, values, and standards that don't come out of the Word of God that we feel more comfortable and more natural being a codependent enabler than we do doing the things that cause people to be responsible. You know, that's what's wrong with our country right now. Socialism, and many people don't understand this about socialism, but a lot of people are like, well, socialism, why are you got issues with socialism? I'll tell you why. Because socialism promises everything that the Bible promises, but it gives you an unscriptural process to get them, which means it's the root of iniquity. You know, Karl Marx said socialism was the only political concept 
that was powerful enough to destroy the human race. And it's proving to be true. So in our country, you know, we seek to have justice, but it's not justice based on the Word of God. We seek to have a, a success and prosperity, but it's not based on how the Word of God says to get it or manage it or to have it. You know, we try to raise our kids in a way to make them feel loved, but we're really not showing them love. We're showing them secular humanism and enablement and false approval and calling it love, but it has nothing to do with love in the Bible. So the big surprise to a lot of people is we have been so programmed that we will feel more guilty sometimes for doing the right thing than we do for doing the wrong thing. So a clear conscience keeps you in the peace of God. It keeps you mentally and physically healthy. I want to tell you something. Almost all diseases can be related back to stress. And stress comes, one of the major factors in stress is not just how we manage problems around us, but has to do with whether or not we have a clear conscience. Because even if you're managing problems out there and internally, you are not harmonious internally in what the Word of God is saying deep inside you and what your mind and emotions are saying, you will crack up. I mean, you can just crack up because you're not internally harmonious, because your eye is not single. Also, having a clear conscience, it's going to keep you strong in faith. Like I said, it's going to keep you emotionally stable. But more importantly than any of that, it's going to keep you able to see clearly. You're going to be able to see God as He is. We're going to be able to see ourselves as we really are. We're going to be able to see the world around us from God's view and opinion. And you know what? That means that we're going to be able to make the right kinds of decisions. Now, first thing I want to talk to you about is be careful what you give yourself permission to do. Romans chapter 14, and all of Romans chapter 14 is about this controversy of whether people should eat meat sacrificed to idols. It wasn't just the fact that it was unclean meat. That wasn't the point. It didn't matter if it was pork or beef or, or what it was or lamb. The question was, has it been sacrificed to idols? And uh, Man, if people would read Romans chapter 14 and get a hold of what it's saying, it would just end a whole lot of legalistic control. It would end your attempts to control and force your values on other people, but it would also end other people allowing themselves to be controlled by other people's values. And so you might want to read the whole chapter of Romans 14 in several different translations, get your head around it and start to understand the power of a clear conscience. But in Romans 14, 22, it says, I'm reading from the Amplified first. It says, blessed, happy to be envied, is he who has no reason to judge himself for what he approves. Now, I find that really interesting. He has no reason to judge himself for what he approves. It has in brackets here, which are not in the original language, but it says, who does not convict himself by what he chooses to do. You see, we need to realize something here. I want to kind of apply this to what I've already said. We should be very sensitive and should resist the temptation to force our convictions on others. See, many times whenever we discover a freedom, we want everybody to have that freedom. But you know, the real truth is if we had that freedom, yeah, we'd want people to enjoy freedom, but we wouldn't necessarily require that they enjoy it just like we do. And so many people impose their freedoms their so-called revelations on other people, and they may even be right, but if it violates that person's conscience, then it's not right for them. And even though it might be scripturally right, 
they will end up in the ditch. They'll end up stumbling. So, you know, the only question isn't, is it right or wrong? But an additional question is, does it edify? In other words, does it build us up or does it tear us down and cause us to stumble? Listen to this translation. This is from the Message Bible. You're fortunate if your behavior and your beliefs are coherent. But if you're not sure if you notice that you are acting in ways inconsistent with what you believe, some days trying to impose your opinions on others, other days just trying to please them, then you know that you're out of line. If the way you live isn't consistent with what you believe, then it's wrong. And of course, we can add to that. And if what you believe is not based on God's word, then you're wrong. But the point that he's making here is even if something scripturally is right, if it's not right for you. And you say, well, why wouldn't it be right for me? Well, you know what? It might not be able to apply it in love in my particular situation. See, once you bring love into the factor of loving God, loving people, loving yourself, then a doing this, even though it's all right for me to do this, it really wouldn't be loving myself. You know, people with certain health issues, they have to manage themselves. They might have to exercise more than somebody else, or they might have to avoid some sort of foods because of how those foods affect them. They're not doing it because it's right or wrong per se. They're doing it because of the way it affects them. And that's what happens in our conscience. If we allow others to define our freedoms or to define what is good and evil, then we're replacing the Holy Spirit. In our lives, we're violating our own conscience because we're listening to other people. Now, let me read this in the New King James Version real quick. Like, do you have faith? Have it to yourself before God. Happy is he who does not condemn himself in what he approves. But he who doubts is condemned, and he's condemned in his own heart, not by God. He's condemned if he eats. In other words, eats his meat sacrificed to idols or if he partakes in something that violates his conscience. Because he does not eat or do what he's doing from faith. For whatsoever is not from faith is sin. We're living in a day when people want to throw faith away, when people have absolutely, you know, they're, they're trying to convince us that because we believe in grace, it doesn't matter what we do. We're free to do everything. We're free from morality. But, you know, if you study the word freedom in the New Testament, it very often warns against using our freedom as a cover-up for those things that will destroy us, for those things that will bring pain and suffering into our life. So I want you to know one of the keys to having a clear conscience is obviously not allowing other people to establish your values, not allowing other people's voice to become clearer than the voice of your own heart or the voice of the Holy Spirit. And you will get into some more of this and help you understand this. Don't go away. I'll be right back. Listen, if you're tired of feeling bad about yourself, if you're tired of not liking who you are, and you're tired of the way that's affecting your relationships and your walk with God, then you want to get my series, Dignity and Worth, a 10-CD series with two bonus CDs, which means you're going to get 12 CDs. Two of them are going to be a free gift to you because I want to invest in you. And I want to tell you, this is going to give you the tools you need to walk through a life transformation and change your sense of dignity and worth. 
Now, we're talking about how to maintain or how to have a clear conscience. And we're looking at the value of a clear conscience. You know, physically, you're going to be healthier when you have a clear conscience because you're not going to be in conflict. You know, most of what we've been taught was the conviction of the Holy Spirit making you feel bad about your sin. It wasn't the Holy Spirit doing that. That's not even what conviction is. You know, conviction is where the Holy Spirit convinces you of what the truth is. And the problem is the more you realize the inconsistency or the incongruence between truth and what you believe and do, then what we call guilt is just this natural internal response to the realization that we are not living and functioning as we know we could or should function if we want to have a great life. And by the way, when we talk about how we should be, we're not about how we should be just a please God in some kind of, you know, judgmental type way. We're talking about how we should be if we want to have a great life, how we should be if we want to be healthy and happy, how we should be if we're really going to be who we claim to be in Jesus. Now, let's move on and talk about keeping a clear conscience. First Timothy 1.5 tells us this. It says, now, the, the purpose of the commandment or the goal of the commandment. Now, this is not the word commandment like in speaking of the law. This is a word that means all instruction. And this gets back to the fact that until Jesus came, you know, even Paul himself was a legalist. He didn't understand that love was the goal of the gospel. Until Jesus came, the law or all the instructions about the commandments were given to make you holy, to make you acceptable to God, you know, and all of these kinds of religious, legalistic, dead works type things. But Jesus came and showed us that really, all of the commandments showed us how to walk in love, how to express love for other people, how to express love for ourselves, and ultimately even how to express love for God. And so Paul kind of echoes that here in Timothy where he says the purpose of the commandment, in other words, the purpose of all instruction, of, of the instruction he's given in this book, but all instruction that God has ever given. Here's the goal. Here's what needs to happen is love from a pure heart, and listen to this, a good or a healthy conscience, and sincere faith. Those are the three primary reasons for everything that God has ever said to anybody. And when we twist it and make it legalistic, then we corrupt it, we destroy ourselves with it. When we abandon it because we think it's legalistic, then we destroy ourselves in different ways. But I want you to understand something. This thing about having a good conscience, a clear conscience. You see, this is why renewing our mind is so absolutely crucial. Romans 12, 2 says, and nearly everybody's you know, familiar with this. It says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. So in order to be transformed, we have to have a renewing of the mind. Now, the thing about a renewing of the mind is this. This gets us then into why repentance is so incredibly important. Now, we're living in a day where all kinds of people who think they understand grace are coming out and saying, no, Christians don't repent. You know, And what they're doing, they're reacting to the ways that religion misdefined or twisted the meaning of repentance. 
in the past. And, you know, we can't overreact. If a truth is in the Bible, you know, it's like the Baptists overreacted to the baptism in the Holy Spirit, you know. And because of the abuses they had seen into it, they just rejected it totally. It's in the Bible. You can't reject it. You know, many people saw what the faith movement did in some parts of the faith movement that went into extreme. So people rejected the whole concept of faith. People, you know, saw how the Pentecostals overdid it in the realm of emotion. So people rejected any concept of emotion or feelings. And so in the area of grace right now, people are rejecting grace because of these same overreaction extremism that's coming into what they call the grace movement that's really a reaction to what has happened in the past. And the grace movement itself is reacting to the religious concepts of repentance, conviction of the Holy Spirit, and they're taking those misdefinitions of the past and they are rejecting those things as being part of the new covenant when in fact they're clearly in the New Testament, they're clearly part of the new covenant, they're clearly part of how man lives and functions in a healthy way and we can't reject them because all the word repent means is to have a change of mind. Now, if I've got to renew my mind, this means I've got to change my mind. If I don't renew my mind, I cannot go through the process of transformation where I take who I am inwardly in my spirit man, and I can't put that on into my outer life if I don't renew my mind, again, which means I've got to change my mind. You know, there's nothing wrong with repentance. And I say this, and I say it kind of sarcastically, but it's really true. Okay, here's your choice. You can change your mind or you can remain stupid. You can change your mind or you can remain in iniquity and reject God's word. You can change your mind or you can refuse to change your mind and you can refuse or you can keep having all the problems that you've been having all your life and eventually you're going to blame God and throw your faith away. You know, you can refuse to change your mind and there's all kinds of consequences. But I'll tell you what, if you won't change your mind and see repentance, you know, repentance is an attitude that really has a readiness and a willingness to change our mind. So in reality, if we don't have that attitude of repentance and the tenses of the word repent indicate that this is an ongoing thing. This isn't just something you do once and that solves it for all time. It's just a way of life. So the real truth is, if I don't have a repentant heart, then really I'm not following Jesus as Lord. Because following Him as Lord means I'm going to constantly, daily, give up my opinions about God, about the world, about life, about me, about everything. I'm going to constantly surrender that to His interpretation of what God's Word says, what God's Word means, and how God's Word should be applied. So renewing the mind is part of this process to getting a clear conscience. Because remember... All of God's commandments have been written and are alive in your spirit, and that's part of your heart. And so unless you harden your heart and make it where you just ignore, don't pay attention to, reject what God's commandments and what they imply and what He intended, unless you, re you know, if you start rejecting all that, your heart will become hard to it, and you will no longer be able to sense it, no longer be able to feel and recognize when God's trying to speak to you.
And so when there's a difference between what God is saying inside you and what God is saying inside you is always going to be based on the scripture. I tell you, these people come up with revelations that God's telling them to do something and obviously violate scripture. Then no, it's not God leading you. That's something else leading you. I don't know what it is, but it's something else. But whenever God's word is saying one thing to me, but my mind and my emotions are saying something else, then I am going to be in internal conflict. I'm going to be under stress, probably going to be, I might even have panic attacks or, you know, it comes out of different people, different ways, panic attacks, anger, violence. Many of the people in the world that are so violent, it's just because of this unbearable conflict that they feel inside of them. And sadly, they think that's God tormenting them for the things that they've done wrong. No, it's not God tormenting them. It's just you violating who God created you to be, and especially if you're a believer. So in this scripture, he says that if we'll renew our mind, that we'll be able to prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Now, most of the time people get into that and they get, okay, there's the good will of God, there's acceptable will of God, and then there's, you know, the perfect will of God. That's probably not I'm not saying that that doesn't have some legitimacy, but that's really in context. That's really not what this scripture is talking about. Well, the good, acceptable, perfect will of God are all really just adjectives that describe how God's will is. It, it's always good. It's always acceptable. It's always the perfect thing to do. But that word prove means to test something, to prove it reliable, and then to personally approve of it. So, when we take ourselves through transformation, that's where we're putting off the old man, renewing our mind, and then putting on the new man, just that experience causes us to prove the reliability, to test, taste, interact with the will of God for us, and ultimately give it our approval because it is good, it is acceptable, it's perfect. Now, a mind that has not been renewed cannot and will not confirm that what they believe is the Word of God. They don't know if what they believe is the Word of God. Until we take the Word of God and put it into practice, you know, and the first place that we start putting this into practice is in our own life. You know, we don't go out here and try to see if we can work miracles first to prove the Word of God. That's not the way that happens. We deal with us. We give our lives to Jesus. We surrender to Him. And we taste and see that God is good. That this is acceptable. This is perfect. This is exactly what I want. This is exactly what I've been needing. And that makes transformation incredibly incredibly appealing. And one of the things that happens when we renew our mind and yield to it, in other words, when I believe what God's Word says applied from the motive of love, when I believe that, when I accept that, now my mind and my spirit are one. Now I no longer have double vision. I no longer am double-minded. I am no longer double-souled. Now I am one clear, healthy individual who is able to properly perceive and experience reality. So this is why repentance, renewing your mind, all of that is so incredibly, incredibly important. Let's all be back for, with a mentoring moment. Just a few minutes. Don't go away. You want to learn to take steps to renew your mind. Put this on. 
You know, if this is speaking to your heart, man, if you're getting stirred up to feel better about yourself right now, go online and you can download this series, Dignity and Worth, and you can begin making your transformation today. Don't wait another minute. Hey, listen, I want to be sure and invite you to join me all across North America as I have conferences because, you know, this is the biblical pattern. We do what we do the way we do it because the Bible says to. That is to instruct people publicly and house to house. Well, house to house is you right now in your home participating in the cyber church program. House to house may be an I group that you are attending or an I group that you are hosting yourself. And then publicly are all the different meetings we have in Huntsville and around the country so that people can come and participate in a larger venue. November the 4th, I'm going to be out in Victoria, Columbia, and I'm going to be having a great Wired for Success seminar and workshop out there. Get on my website and see what you got to do to get your information from the people who are hosting this. But always watch for it. As a matter of fact, if you have my mobile app, which you can download for free, you'll always know where I am. You'll always know what's going on. You'll always know what we're doing, and we always want you to be there. You know, if you're going to take steps to have a clear conscience, you're going to have to really break away from the pack. You're going to have to stop thinking the way religious people think. And you're going to have to really learn to start listening to your own inner voice. What is going on inside you? But let's take the first step we want to take in this. And we're going to follow up some more of this next week because I'm telling you, this thing about the conscious has everything to do with dignity and worth. You can't have good self-worth when you violate your conscience. Now, you know, we've already talked about the fact that we want to make sure that everything that we believe is based on what God's Word says, interpreted and applied the way Jesus interpreted and applied it. And that will always be from the motive of love. So one of the first things you want to do is kind of just go through how you're living your life, what decisions you're making, and ask yourself real simply, is everything that I'm doing rooted in the Word of God and am I doing it from the motive of love? Now, I want you to understand something. Again, we're living in a day when people are trying to minimize the value of behavior. Now, behavior modification in and of itself is not wrong. It's not evil. And some people try to make it out to be so. You know, if you have an anger problem, going to anger management and modifying your behavior is going to help reduce the amount of conflict in your life and the amount of pain in other people's lives. But the point is that really doesn't solve the problem because then you're going to be straining and working hard to solve the problem. What solves the problem is putting off the old man, renewing the mind, putting on the new man. Because it's really, really important that you realize this about behavior. Behavior is the only evidence that your conscience and intellectual mind has that you are actually, that you're born again, that you're righteous. See, most people who question their salvation, they either have no value for the Word of God or they live a compromised life and they never, never have peace in life. Put these two things into practice and you won't believe the difference. Thanks for listening to the weekly Impact Ministries World Changers podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address, www.impactministries.com, with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website for previous podcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.